Welcome to the Canicurio Podcast, powered by Cannabis Media. I'm your host, Ed Keating, and on today's show, we're joined by Michael Piermont, president of Leaf Trade. So, Michael, welcome. Nice to be here. Excellent. Um, so, tell me about the creation story of, of Leaf Trade. How did you guys come to be? And uh, I'm also curious how, how you landed in Chicago, too, because uh, there's, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, so uh, Leaf Trade... Um, is headquartered in Chicago. We do have offices um, throughout the country. Um, in 2015 and 16, when some of the early uh, license holders in Illinois started going live and applying for licenses, uh, we found ourselves working and helping stores to manage their orders. Um, and Leave Trade was really born out of kind of the first original six, seven license holders in Illinois. Now, back then, they weren't Verano and GTI and Ascend, and they weren't the powerhouses we know them to be today. This was early days. Um, you know, maybe they had a skew or two, and they were just trying to figure it out. And one of the big challenges was the compliance uh, within the, the order management, the supply chain. And so that was, you know, really Leaf Trade was born out of you know, an early need um, for a platform to help the B2B um, sales process. Got it. Got it. And, and how about how about your background? You know, where do you come from before? Where were you before cannabis? And uh, yeah, uh, and, and what brought you here? Yeah, so I've always been a builder, um, kind of finding niche, niche markets or gray areas in, you know, uh, very compliant uh, markets. So was one of the first and early employees at Go Health, which B2B back office tools for health insurance agents. And then we developed a, a large marketplace. Um, and then I started my own company called Amstats. Again, back office support for small gyms, personal trainers. We did a lot of payment, um, very similar. Worked with uh, some other startups, had another one of mine, um, a, a B2C but really turned into a B2B gifting marketplace. You see the theme here. Um, <laughs> and had always really been, you know, keeping my eye on cannabis, um, both from a professional point of view, but also, you know, a, a personal passion and, but wanted to stay in technology, right? And, you know, saw all these companies uh, popping up, plan touching and, you know, Leaf Trade really became, you know, my way to take the experience uh, mixed with, um, our bit, my business partner, James Yee, and take his cannabis experience and, and build something that, you know, really at the end of the day, we're solving supply chain and compliance problems all the way through. And if you, you know, talk about a company like Verano or GTI, their operations look very different in New Jersey as they do in PA, as they do in Illinois. So much so that, you know, it's almost like 70% of leave trade in the last 30% is different in every market. And some of this is, is based on uh, the stage that those markets are in. Sure. Some of them are based on the, the platforms that they have to use, you know, the seat to sale platform. So they need to do things differently in PA because they're on MJ freeway versus Biotrack. Got it. Got it. So we, we realized early that, you know, bending and, and having leave trade kind of be the adapter in the market um, where everything can then go through leave trade and finish out in their accounting systems was, you know, that, that's really our MO. 
Uh, excellent. Well, and that definitely uh, prefaces a couple of questions I wanted to dig into. Could you, you know, tell us a, a little bit about the piece parts of the systems, like the integrations and things that you do? Because in our view at Cannabis Media and looking at the software stack, those on the B2B sort of marketplace side cover a lot of ground. And I'm just curious, sort of what, what piece parts do, do you all have in place? Yeah, so um, for us, it's about getting the inventory and the data right, because if the pl- if the products are tested and ready to be sold in any format, some markets bulk, some prepackaged, some a mixture, we have developed a way where whether it's Metric, BioTrack, MJ Freeway, or now what we're starting to see is, you know, either cannabis ERPs or non cannabis traditional ERPs come in, whatever the system may be, we can hook up into and get the inventory ready to sell inventory out. That's really important because once the inventory is set up correctly in leave trade over and over and it's repeatable, then that gives the seller the ability to show it on the marketplace. Once the retailer realizes, hey, there's actually up-to-date inventory, this isn't just a static menu, then it builds trust and they actually start putting in orders, not just, you know, hey, Ed, I I know you have this. Can you give me an actual inventory, um, Ron? And so it's funny, the back end and getting everything correct is really what drives our retail experience. Makes sense. Now, in terms of that data being available, are there other B2B companies that consume that? Because I know there are people out there who try and own the menu space, let's say, either in-store or online, and does your data, it seems like it would populate that. Is that right? Or In some instances, yes. I would say a lot of the larger companies have created their own internal catalog that we kind of help push in and pull out. Um, In some instances, people, believe it or not, keep B2B and B2C, um, you know, separate, right? They want to, you know, the B2B data to then populate into the POS and stop right there, right? But I think for us, the exciting thing is connecting what's happening in the store to what you should be buying, right? And not only getting that data, hey, what are the things that sold last week? I don't care about the things that sold last week. I wanna know what's selling today and tomorrow. Sure. And that way we can create auto orders and really you know, streamlining uh, the process and making better decisions and faster decisions because cannabis inventory is not, you know, open for business all the time, right? Some, right. some states don't have enough. Some states have too much, their expiration dates. And so selling the right inventory to the right people at the right time is the most important thing, but you have to have everything lined up before you can do that. So with that kind of, to me, seems like sophistication of, SKU analytics and you know point of sale data and whatnot. Does that uh, have you, you know, sort of partnering with the larger MSOs or the bigger SSOs as opposed to what are often called the traditional mom and pops? Or can everybody benefit from what you guys do? Because I imagine any store would want to know this, but but can they all work with you to to get there? Yeah, um, you know what's cool about our platform is. We've seen the smallest folks, 10, 15 orders, this really replaced their whole back office team or be kind of the one system that they, they work in, right? They invoice out of it. 
And then we've also been able to connect to these large MSOs who may have their own middleware tech and they may want to pull from us and, you know, warehouse everything in their own data. So what's nice is we can kind of decide up and down the stack what to turn off or where we want to point it, whether it's orders or, um, and and that's where it becomes very malleable around, you know, what the MSOs are doing so much so that we've almost become an integrator when MSOs buy companies, you know, for example, Verano bought Agrokine in Pennsylvania. Yep. The quicker they get leaf trade over the Agrokine assets, then they can start pulling that into their accounting system and then start counting their sales, you know, on their corporate ledgers, right? Oh, so we kind of, we kind of be that, we're that glue that can kind of pull everything together. Well, I'm going to take that a little further. It's almost too, though, that, or and that you're like a suction cup, like <laughs> the sooner you can glom onto their data and pull it in. Exactly. And, and I would imagine, at least in other industries I've worked in where there's been MA, you know, people want to know what kind of systems are in that target because, oh, you're already on leaf trade. That's a good yep. thing. And that, that makes them more attractive. So, um, yep. so very, very, very cool. Very cool. Um, and in terms of you know how you look at the market, one thing that I always like to dig into is um, do you cover like the geographic market in terms of your sales, or is it more of a named account thing? Because obviously you've got a lot of great companies right down the street from you. But as you look across the U.S. and, and figure out your your sales teams, how, how do you view the world? Yeah, great question. So um, take it back to 2017, our thesis was we think that the bigger companies are gonna really have a big stake in where cannabis is going. Um, We probably didn't even imagine how big those companies would get and how big of a stake they would have. Um, So the focus was let's nail Illinois. And what do you know, those license holders started getting licenses in Maryland and PA and Ohio and New Jersey and Connecticut. But we really like the, you know, newly regulated, newly emerging, highly regulated markets. Um, And so we really focused on, you know, called East of Colorado early in our uh, leaf trade history. Now that we've gotten, you know, really the majority of those license holders kind of East of Colorado, we own Illinois, Ohio, PA, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Um, We have started focusing on the West Coast. So we've started to flip Arizona, Nevada, um, looking into Colorado and California soon, and then add in Michigan. So we're not out there everywhere, um, but we are, you know, very focused on order of operations. And there's a plan of, you know, what markets go when and why. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, Arizona is one that we've been looking at from a, 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 just a data standpoint, because in the early days, it was crickets. There was no information. You couldn't even get a list of dispensaries unless you had a card in the state. And then slowly they've been making more available. And what's interesting is even though they have adult now, it's still, to, to your words, sort of a highly regulated market. They're only giving out so many licenses and licenses there, yep. I think, are still pegged to the number of pharmacies. And if you've got a med license, you can get a rec license for $20,000 and off you go. So it just sort of repopulated the the state yep. with a whole bunch of new licenses in many of the same buildings. So um, that would definitely seem to fit your model. What about a state, you know, I'm sort of jumping ahead here. What about a state like New Mexico? Because 
you know, a lot of focus on that state and uh, kind of curious how you viewed it, because that was also a rather regulated plant count based uh, threshold uh, environment, which is sort of unique. Yeah, I think um, we're not live in New Mexico yet. We've got some of our current clients um, who are there who want us to be there um, sooner than later. I wonder about the unlimited license that they have talked about and does um, does New Mexico become a Massachusetts where even though it's unlimited, it's really hard to get a license yeah. or does it become Oklahoma? <laughs> so time will tell, we watch it, but um, we also, you know, we haven't picked a bad market yet or one, and by bad, I mean that fits leaf trade, right? Yeah, right. Um, and so we, you know, we, we slow and steady. Um, we've never lost a customer. And we've taken, I think, 40 of our competitors' customers. So I think the thing that we don't want to do is, you know, adhere to the market pressure and open up markets before we're ready. Right. I also don't think that's good for the customer. Um, and so we want to make sure, you know, we keep the experience as good as it's always been. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, earlier on, you talked a little bit about compliance, which is something I've spent my whole career working on. So I always find this to be an interesting area. You've already mentioned that, you know, it, it, it's a big issue. It's something that you guys have to keep an eye on. You know, tell us a little bit about that. Like, let's say, for example, when a new state comes on board, like I'm here in Connecticut, we're under process to get adult use up. New York and New Jersey are racing along as well. And someday Rhode Island may get there too. But, you know, when a new state comes on, on board or sends up those signal flares, what does that mean for the, uh, for the leaf trade team? Yeah, well, the good thing is we get these signals pretty early because we go into these markets really early. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of an example. Here's an example. In Illinois, when we, they went adult use, even if it was coming from, even if the plant or the, I should say the package was coming from the same plant, but one was medical and one was rec, same exact product, same testing. They had to be li labeled differently, both from BioTrack all the way into um, invoicing, right? You had to designate that this was going to medical and this was going to oh, rec. Wow. So there's just some um, checkoffs. With us, it's not that hard though, because we can just add that in. There's an option, no big deal. Um, in New Jersey, there's an approval on orders from the Department of Health. And I don't know how long that'll stay in place. So we built a little, essentially like a checklist that you know they can approve the orders. So, there's always these little things. Um, usually there's two or three. Some of them are captured in other markets like Connecticut. There's a round robin thing where everyone has to be able to buy the same amount from the same people huh. in the first three days. And then it opens up. So we've got rules in place that can adhere to that. So, you know, a lot of these rules, some of them are early, some of them, you know, go away. Um, and it just depends. But but all these kind of last mile things we love because it's the little details that really can, you know, slow up the process. No, that, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. So staying with that sort of, sort of state thing, I was curious, and, and you referenced this a little bit earlier, what is your relationship with the state seed to sale systems and with the regulators too? Do you have to interact much with them or are you, since you're not a license holder, not a plant toucher, are you good? Or do you sometimes have to get involved at, at the regulatory side? 
We don't really get involved on the regulatory side. Our customers use our data or use our system to get involved with the regulatory. We have before, um, during some M&A, we've been like the third party to send data to the DEA with some of these big mergers, but we don't have much interaction with them. As far as the seed to sale, um, we have a pretty good relationship with BioTrack and Metric, um, both on kind of a local, hey, Missouri's got these changes. Hey, we're doing things in California differently than we're doing things in Ohio. Um, We're technical partners with them as well. And then we have mutual clients that we work on with them. Sure. Um, We have a good relationship with MJ Freeway. I think their API is coming out sooner than later. So our I'd say our relationship's not as far with them yep. um, and they, you know, they're just in PA. So we have more interaction with BioTrack and Metric. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one quirky data question I wanted to ask you about as we talk about the states is, um, you know, it, it, we always are looking at what are the states issuing, what information might be interesting to put in our product. And, you know, over time we put in things like violations from the state um, or, or uh, patient count data, sales data, et cetera. One of the things that we looked at and it wasn't really right for us is that states like Connecticut, Massachusetts, Alaska, and maybe one other published state product catalogs. Is that anything that you guys have to feed into or is it something that the license holders take care of? License holders. And again, yeah. like we've been asked sometimes, but pretty much they have to report their numbers and sales and, you know, all that yeah. stuff. Just it, it may flow through us, but we're, we're not usually involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was curious because I know in some states, the catalog is absolutely enormous because they want images, labels, yep. weights. I don't know about prices, but um I mean, it's a pretty robust data set, but I'm, I'm trying to think, how does the public actually engage or interact with something like that? Because it's pretty massive. And a, lot of times, a lot of times they use that, you know, LeafTrade becomes the source of truth for their product catalog and they're yeah. pulling it out of LeafTrade or sending them the link to the public storefront. Um, but we aren't the ones who do it. They do it from our system. Yeah, thank goodness, right? <laughs> so that sounds like it's a, not a yeah. fun project. Um, one of the questions I, I always uh, want to ask, have to ask on, 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 on this is how does your team use cannabis media to get to market and go to market or do you use it for research or, you know, how, how do we fit into your, uh, to your role and what your team is doing? Definitely use it for research. We use it as we plan out these markets. Um, what's interesting is, you know, if you were to look on the face, you'd be like, wow, Massachusetts has 250 licenses and Illinois is. 80 or whatever, you know, 12. But when you start um, using cannabis media and start, you know, plugging in what connects to where, oh, there's really four licenses, not 50, you know, that kind of stuff. That's how we start all the markets, how we start the research. So we definitely use it. Great. Well, that's good to hear. As a guy who runs a data team, it's always helpful for me to hear how, how people use it. And that last point you made is fascinating because I know in California with cultivation, yeah, there's a ton of licenses, but based on the research we've done and stacking up all the mm-hmm. licenses that a farm has, you might get a farm that has 200, 300 licenses. And it's one, it's, it's one opportunity for somebody on the sales side. But I, I think it also boils down to it's the average is like for 
every grower has at least three licenses and that really shrinks down the number of license holders. It's not 10,000, it's 3,300, let's say. So it's, yep. it's uh, but you have to dig into the details to, to actually know that and, and, and figure it out. Now, sort of as we wrap up, looking forward, what kind of challenges are out there that you're uh, contending with now, let's say that weren't around in 2017. I think both our companies are about the same age and have seen this market really mature and change a lot. Um, you know, what challenges are out there now for, for you and your team, Michael? Yeah, I think an interesting challenge um, that, you know, in 2017, we would all been thankful for is now that cannabis is getting really big. You're seeing a lot of new people come into the industry yeah. very quickly. And I think being kind of thrown into the fire um, and, you know, back in 2017 or 18, no matter where you were pointing, everyone's focus was pretty narrow because there was only so much you could do. True. Right. And so with focus getting wider, there's more people, there's more quote unquote, non-cannabis folks or come people who come. And I think the, um, and, and they've, they've been, they're really talented and there's a lot of really good people coming to the industry. I think the um, hurdle and the thing that everyone has to really work on is making sure that we're ramping them in, we're educating them on not only like why we're doing things, how we're growing, we're training people on systems. You know, it's like the new blood's coming in. Yeah. And I think it's great. I think it brings a lot more energy and a lot more insight. But I think there's also challenges when, you know, even if you look at a lot of the MSOs growing that fast, that, you know, that quickly is, you know, it's hard. And so, you know, making sure that companies like ours and, and larger companies, you know, stick to their you know, core value proposition is, is always a challenge and a focus uh, with anybody in industry. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great, great point. And it, it makes me think back to, as you described your background, you came in from another set of industries and brought all those lessons learned into what you do in cannabis. So it sort of has that, that vigor from all those other industries. And you're right, when we get transplants coming in from other industries who need to be onboarded, because we go through the very same thing. You know, people think that we're just like any other market where there's perfect information, like alcohol that's yeah. been around since the 1930s. We're like, we're not. This data changes all the time. And they're, well, why isn't it this way? It's just not yet. Yep. And, 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 you know, slowly you, you can move them from, you know, can of clueless to can of serious. Uh, but sometimes it takes time and not everybody can make that leap. But, uh, you know, we certainly try to bring people along. Yeah. And I think it's a nice, um, you know, we try to be really focused on and really, deliberate about who we hire in some roles we really like to focus on people who have industry experience but it's also really healthy to get people who don't have industry experience who say why why are we doing it this way oh because it's done that way well maybe we should look at it again um so you know it it's healthy um but it takes time and effort on both sides yeah and i've seen a lot of companies do it great and i've seen some companies you know on their fifth cfo so, you know, it can go both ways. That's very true. So uh, finally, looking forward, any trends that we should be looking out for? Any new things that you guys are going to be working on that you can share that, you know, may be happening in the future? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've always, we've always kind of focused on making sure 
that people can get the inventory up, like we said, uh, making sure that they have all the guards and um, all of the different, um, you know, levers in place to sell, to, to fulfill the orders. And now it's really about automating the payment cycle. Mm -hmm. So being able to push and connect and pull into their accounting systems and also pull payment is really important for us. We think that's it. That's the loop, right? Yeah. Creating the order back and forth. But what was really nice is, as you know, we, we work with all the large MSOs and they have a really, really big handle on the retail side. And so automating the payments on the retail side is almost just as important for them. Yes, everyone wants to collect sooner and automate that, but you know, paying bills is tough. And in most states, you have to pay separate bills per invoice. So, you know, imagine Cureleaf with, you know, a hundred plus stores and, you know, doing 50 orders a month per store. It's a lot of checks. Um, so really, you know, anywhere where we can, you know, save manual processes and automate them and help them focus more on their products and customer service and, you know, less on manual importing of uh, inputting of orders. You know, I think the the better will serve everyone. Excellent. Well, the, I, I've quoted this uh, CEO before on the podcast. Uh, he was a guy who used to run Thompson Reuters years ago, and they really changed their business. And a lot of it boils down to this simple question that they would go out and ask people in the legal and the financial business. What were you doing the 10 minutes before you used my product and the 10 minutes afterwards? And by doing that, they started to really learn what the true workflow was, and they would try and own a greater share of your day and eventually a greater share of your wallet. And I thought yep. it's just a very clever way to be thoughtful in asking those great questions. And uh, it sounds like Leaf Trade's doing a, a great job with that, Michael. So thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it was really great chatting with you and uh, look forward to hearing more great things that, uh, that you're doing in the marketplace. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you around.